Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing A Bride by Moonlight by Liz Carlisle. This was published in 2013 and is number four in the Fraternitas Ore Crucius series. Thank you so much, Lane, for pronouncing that. I, guys, I like forced her to do it because I'm like, I don't know how to pronounce that. I will say, while your pronunciation skills are usually better than mine, I am real good at video game Latin. Perfect. Like weird secret society names, I've heard them all. So I'm. That was probably not right, but it was close. Well, I had like you knew that it was a secret society too. So I'm so impressed. Well, right. it says in the summary. It does sort of talk about secret St. James Society. <laughs> Why couldn't they talk? Why couldn't they call it the St. James Society instead of the? Well, who in this book was even in the St. James Society? All right, hold on. Let's read the summary, and we'll talk about it, okay? Because I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I had no idea when I read this that it was in a series, and I did think there was way too much backstory, but not in the sense that I felt like I missed anything. That's the thing. Like, you don't get much more if you read the others in the series. That's what's so freaking weird about this book. Anyway, okay. Passion and, okay. Passion and secret simmer behind the elegant facade of Victorian London in A Bride by Moonlight, another deliciously intriguing romance by Liz Carlyle that features the dangerous men of the mysterious St. James Society. Faced with murder charges... Lisette Colburn never imagined aligning herself with Scotland Yard, not with the scandalous life she's led. But when Commissioner Royden Napier proposes that in exchange for her freedom, she pretend to be his wife so he can unravel a brutal mystery, she agrees. What neither counts on is their sizzling, undeniable attraction. Sexy and action-packed. Liz Carlyle's A Bride by Moonlight is a beautiful love story set in Victorian <laughs> high society with compelling characters and elegant emotional prose that will appeal to readers of historical romance. This jacket is so bad. It's so bad. Okay. Did you like that, Lane? <laughs> First and third paragraph are not about the book. It's true. So all of your plot summary is the middle paragraph, which I count four inaccuracies in. <laughs> you know, I don't know. So she's so this not is... actually faced with murder charges. She doesn't align herself with Scott Linyard. He kidnaps her to take her to his family estate, not for police business. She doesn't pretend to be his wife. She pretends to be his fiance. And it's not an exchange for her freedom. It's not like if you do this, then you get to go. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like this doesn't do a good job of selling the book either because I, I actually really like this book a lot. I think it's well written and it's interesting. And I think the mystery is really good. I really, really like this book and I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah. It has, like, several things in it I hate. That's the thing. Same for me. There are so many things that I say that I hate, and this book somehow did them so well that I liked it. And, like, I ultimately had problems with it. It did have some glaring flaws that prevented me from giving it five stars. Mm -hmm. But I don't even 
if you described this book to me accurately, not that bullshit summary, but I'd probably go, God, I'm going to hate that. And yes, overall, I was like, this is pretty good. No, same, same. So maybe it's good that that summary doesn't really get to what's in the book, because if you described it like, well, I think both of us would have been like, I'll pass. So what was your 37 word summary? All right. Possible criminal Lizette and indefatigable police commissioner slash Baron Napier pretend to be engaged to solve a mystery. Concurrently, he tries to figure out her secrets. A complex, mature romance, if you can handle the reams of backstory. That is a better summary than the jacket. Thank you. Thanks, Lauren. What's yours? I might be jamming you with faint praise. But it was a good summary separate of that I just realized I was like mm, that I hated the jacket yours is way better <laughs> thank you all right uh so my 37 word summary Lisette wants revenge on the man who ruined her family but she has the wrong guy and now the investigator has her for his observation and protection while they attempt to figure out why his relatives died yeah that's it I really don't even know how we're going to talk about this book, you guys, dear listeners, because when Meg said reams of backstory in her summary, that doesn't even come close to covering it. The first 25% of this book, I was just texting Meg, like, I don't even know what's going on. There's so much backstory. And I, I had read the book that came previous to this one. And it still didn't explain a ton. Like, what is the St. James Society? No one in this book is in the St. James Society. No. You know, who's in it is the person who marries Lady Anisha. Whatever, the person she thinks is the killer. He's the murderer. Okay, cool. So he's a tertiary character who is maybe on 15 pages, and the fact that he's in the St. James Society is never mentioned. Yeah. And Lady Anisha's brother is also in the society. He's not in this book at all. He's not in this book at all, no. Yeah, and it's it's actually really interesting because so there's this book, and then after this book, there are two more books in this series, but neither none of them have anything to do with the society, except for the fact that they were mentioned in passing. So, like, one of the books is about Tony in this book, and another book is about, like, a a guy who has a gaming hell near the St. James Society. I, okay, we, we have to move on. I yeah. Can't. It makes no sense. So that's the thing with, so I really like Liz Carlyle's stuff, but it can be super angsty, um, like really angsty. You probably noticed that this book was um, pretty angsty, Lane. Yeah, sort of. I mean, their backstories were both real tragic. Yes. They're yeah. both they're both tragic orphans at this point to get into tropes like yeah but her her other books can be like super like really 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 tough and like deal with some really tough issues like there's one where it deals with like a like a miscarriage there's one where the guy the main character was forced into prostitution um, when he was young there's one so there's just a lot of like really angsty stuff and I mean imagine the book about Tony like Tony's got some major angst at the end of this book mm-hmm. wait who's Tony Tony's the guy who um Daphne thought she was gonna marry 
Tony's the brother, the Earl of Hepplesworth. Oh, 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 yes, okay. Yeah, so one of the books is about him, and I mean, that book is like, talk about angst, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, I don't know if I could read that. Yeah, so she's, she can, she writes in like major angst. Um, and I don't yet, think I've ever read anything else by her. I'm looking through, I don't think I have. Yeah. I, I think she's a very good writer. Like, I think her writing is really good. Uh, her dialogue is really nice. She's like Loretta Chase in that I don't feel like there's a lot of anachronism in her books. Um, and they're, I think they're pretty historically accurate. That said, they're very angsty. Yeah, this one, there weren't... There's no history of sexual assault or abandonment or, like child abuse or like the typical red flags that go into trigger warning care category like brutal survival of a battle like none of that's here but the like day-to-day interpersonal relationships all have some domestic tragedy aspect exactly and the thing is describing this both lane and i would be like "Ooh, i'll pass but i feel like the way it was done i really liked it I wouldn't go as far as to say I really liked it because of the way it was done. I think it was done in a way that I could just ignore it. Ah, that's possible. Yeah. Um, so some tropes. He is the heir to this earldom. So he's a baron right now. That's the courtesy title. He just um, became the baron. He just became the baron. The baron died suddenly. Yeah. So there were three sons, and he was the son of the third son. And um, this son estranged himself from the family because he wanted to marry for love. And um, so they never thought that, that he would inherit. In fact, his last name, Napier, is his mother's last name. So his, his father totally sort of disowned the family uh, and named himself after his wife. Uh, but now he's inherited, so he's got to go back. Yeah, I did think the, like, moral about the aristocracy in this got a little weird. Definitely did. <laughs> like, I don't know if I can say more without spoiling it, but his reinterpretation of everything by the end and, like, benevolent Earl of the Land got a little bit bizarre. But once again, still really like this book. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to have a lot of good things to say, just because there's a ton I can nitpick, but I really want to stress that overall I found this There's the near-death experience relationship discussion. Yep. Um, they have an encounter that requires them to get quickly out of the rain, and then, oh, no, we're locked in a house. We're locked in a house. We're in wet clothes. It's so cold. What are we going to do? How do we warm up? I, I love this trope so much, Lane. It's the best trope in the world. It, it really is. Uh, as you, So one of the things that was correct, sort of, in this book jacket is that they are in a fake relationship. Yes. Um, he is summoned home for a sick relative who, spoiler, isn't sick. Yes. So he's summoned home for a sick relative, but actually the reason he goes is because he gets an anonymous letter mm. saying that his, his uncle's death was not natural. And, you know, he's a police commissioner, so he's going to go and do some investigation. That plot line involved a precocious child, so I ignored it. I found her annoying. Oh, I didn't think she was too bad, actually. 
she was old enough for me that it wasn't too terrible. Um, we, there's a cross-dressing woman in pants. And his whole reason for staying close to her is totally to keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Oh, yeah. I love it. And um, my other favorite trope when I catch it, and I do miss it often, is when the title is in the text. There's a scene where he thinks he wanted all of her and not just his bride by moonlight. And I was like, yes. that makes sense. Like, you're like, you just hand-fisted that in there so you'd have something to name this damn book. You didn't just say, yes, yes, the name of the thing is in the thing. Um, so, you know, I really like this book. Um, it's pretty angsty and does a lot of stuff that I say I don't like, but it was well done enough, done well enough that I liked it. Yeah, this has one of my least favorite tropes ever, and I know I've bitched about it on the podcast several times, when you have a POV character with a plot-altering secret that somehow the audience is still kept from. Yeah. I hate that. I, like, if I'm in your head, I want to know what you know. Yeah still like this book I don't know <laughs> yeah well and I think part of it is because she's trying not to think about it. you know so she's dancing around it in her own head that still doesn't excuse how little sense the whole beginning of the book made. okay the the whole the whole beginning of the book is basically explaining this backstory without really explaining it yeah, so here's the two-page, the two-second version of that 25% monstrosity. Lizette's family all died because of a scandal that led to her future brother-in-law being killed. killed. Her sister basically dying of grief and fleeing in, during their flight after her father killed himself over the deaths that were supposed to be resolved. Yes. when the brother-in-law married into the family. So yeah. she's sad, tragic orphan. The guy she believes killed her future brother-in-law, thus setting off the chain of events, is in the prologue being let out of jail. So she goes to Napier's office to beg him to do something to keep this guilty man in prison. Napier refuses. Two years later, she tracks down this guy attempting to enact her own form of revenge. In doing so, finds the guy who was really responsible, and he dies with only her, the guy she originally suspected, and his fiance, who is also an ex-girlfriend of Napier, as witnesses. Yeah. So, like, that's the setup, but there's so many more elements with, like, you find out about his rupture with his own family you find out about what she did when she fled to america with her uncle and how it enabled her to infiltrate the london newspaper world like i can't even tell you how many random tangents there are and how hard it is to follow yeah and i'm not kidding you when i say that even if you've read the the book that comes before this one mm -hmm. it still doesn't it still is very confusing and you're like wait what you know yep which is why i recommended this to lane because i was like you know even if she read the first one it wouldn't be any clearer. The first three. How was this the fourth book in a series and there was still that much exposition? Well, that's the thing that's so odd about these books is that Liz Carlyle's series, I should say, is that they are only like very loosely and tangentially and tangentially related. Clearly, this one's named after a fraternity and no one in the book is in the fraternity. Correct. That's right. Um, so Carlyle does this thing 
both Napier and Lizette are keeping secrets from each other. So neither one is open and honest with the other one, which I always say is like my pet peeve when it comes to these romances. But I think that the reason why it's okay with me is that they're still honest about their feelings. Well, they both have, this is stupid. I'm defending something I hate just because I like this book. They both have reason to keep their own counsel beyond just scared of catching feelings. Well, that's the thing too, is they do, they both have like pretty good reasons not to trust each other with their deepest, darkest secrets. And yes, they probably should have trusted each other based on their feelings before they actually did in the text, but their initial apprehension doesn't seem contrived. Yeah. Uh, and I love, this is just another book we've read so many lately, where from the minute he sees her, he like is physically unable to control himself. Yeah. I just think that's so fun. <laughs> I love it. Yes, yes. I love tormented men. Did you love at the end where she's like, oh, how long have you felt this way? And he's like, longer than I should have. And he like, he has physical evidence. That like their first meeting years ago when they hadn't seen each other in many, many months, he's been like holding on to random shit of hers. <laughs> I, I, I loved it, Lane. Oh my God, when he pulled that. I melted. I, I think I forgave like half the flaws in the book over that one scene. Right? Loved it so much. Like, yes, um, they, I want to read about men who are tormented by women's presence, but like yes. a specific woman, not women in general. No, just the one. And he's like, you're the one, like you're the one who's, who's been tormenting me. He's even like dated Lady Anisha mm -hmm. in the meantime. And still was that somehow, you know, Yep. it's good. And it's only two years too, which I can, I can handle. <laughs> <laughs> a reasonable time to be a yeah. Um, there's a near-death experience, which makes him realize that it would be so terrible to live away apart from the other one. Um, and again, normally I would be like, ugh, stop it. On the other hand, it's not the man this time. It's Lizette. And I think, I think maybe it just pisses me off when it's the man who suddenly realizes, oh no, I have to be with her because I almost died. No, I wanted, I wanted to hate this in the sense that she's, she uses the fear for her life to confess to a third party her deepest secrets and how they impact her relationship with Napier. And he just happens to overhear. Like, I hate that shit. I loved this shit. Right? I don't know. So good. Um, also, I think, I think the fact is that it didn't make, it didn't, make them admit to the other one that they loved the other one because they had already admitted that it was just more of the um Logistic. circumstances of life keeping us apart blah 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 and then this near-death experience really just made her think you know what you can die at any time why am i being like this yeah so i think i could accept it because of that i thought the mystery in this book was really well done i don't feel like I can say anything without spoiling it, but you were right. I liked the twist. The thing is, there are several layers of mystery to this text. Like what really happened to, with his father, what really happened with her family, what all of that was just set dressing to me, frankly. Yeah. No, but I agree. The, the central mystery they're trying to solve together of what's happened to his male relatives to leave him the heir, I thought was pretty well done. 
I thought it was so well done. And, and I again, love. oh, yes, I don't, you just love how she, all of a sudden, she was like, <gasps> and that her past, like, helped her figure it out. Oh, my gosh, I just love the whole thing. I love everything about it. I love how she didn't hit you over the head with it. Um, and it, it, this is not, like, a sinister mystery, which is that the mystery is, like, completely set apart from the text, you know, like you already know, like they don't, it doesn't really matter who did it, you know? Yeah. And I, I also liked it because if you have as the reader, any knowledge of this era and the different processes involved, you can pick up on it early. Like, yes, you're given enough information that if you have context, you can figure it out. I, I really liked it. I liked it so much. I even liked the resolution of the of the mystery, which is the sinister trope, which is the whole oh let basically let's bury the body for the sake of the family. But I thought it was so well done and played out so well here. Well, I also liked it because unlike the sinsters, where it's like this person was unequivocally evil, so we don't want the family to bear their shame. This was the family reflecting on the fact that they'd created an unhealthy environment. That they had failed this person. Right. They were, to a degree, culpable and needing to protect them. Yes. It wasn't about erasure. Yes. Yes. Uh, And then the way they handled it, so the fact that there was this sinister trope ending actually then had a consequence in the text. Like, Lizette was like, oh, maybe I can be with Napier now because she sees the way he handled it. I was like, what is going on? Like, this book, like, it's so good. I really enjoyed myself. I don't know. Did anything in it offend you? No, nothing offended me in this book. I thought the way mental illness was handled was pretty good. What did you think? I didn't really think one way or another about it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, obviously, there wasn't a really complex understanding of mental illness during this period in history. And I do think they all kind of play armchair diagnostician with the mentally ill person in a way that made me kind of uncomfortable. But it's not that I necessarily think it was inherently badly portrayed. Yeah, I I think for me, I could handle it because it was, I I think it felt historically accurate, but also compassionate. So I, that's, I think, what I liked about it. Yeah, it was, it, it didn't add or subtract from the text for me. It was just the resolution. Sure. Um, so that was in there. There is, uh, like, a lesbian couple, sort of. You're not really sure. You're pretty sure they're, they're a lesbian. They're called, what, sapphic, a sapphic couple. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of unclear if it's one-sided or not, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So you're not, you're not really sure. Um, I think that it might – so this is more of a trigger warning, is that the, their relationship is called unnatural um, by a third character. But – Again, well, and there is also like the woman who's the family member who you know is a lesbian. 
wants to live with a friend of hers who has been taken on as staff by the family. And that was the only thing. Like, I don't necessarily know that I saw evidence in the text that the woman who is dependent on the family for her survival had the same yeah. feelings that the lesbian family member did. Yeah. So I would have, if you're going to throw that storyline in there, I just would have liked a little more evidence of reciprocity. Yeah. Yeah. So that the power imbalance and wealth imbalance didn't feel so prevalent. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. How sexy did you think this book was? Um, I thought it was pretty sexy. Uh, I thought There's, this book was, like, so sexy. I also, I don't know, apparently I'm just real positive and into everything right now. Like, I am, um, I like that they both hated themselves for how much they wanted it and how they could not keep their hands off each other. And that meant that they got up to it, like, wherever. I loved it so much. It's not, a, really not a bad balance between I can't control myself and then, okay, you said you wanted to stop, I'll stop. Uh, you know, this is, I think that the complex issues around consent were handled pretty well. Yeah, there were a couple of moments where obviously I would have wished for more clarity of communication, but I didn't think anything was badly done. No. Yeah, I mean, more communication is never bad, um, but definitely... So he, she was a virgin the first time they, they make love and I, he finds out and I do love that. He's like, okay, I'm going to stop. And she was like, um, you're not stopping. Like you better finish what you started. Yep. Uh, I just, just really liked it a lot. Okay. I think we should do one post spoiler tag offensiveness. Okay. Okay. We can do it. It just makes sense. So here's the deal. There is something that I feel like we need to warn you about because we make a big deal about trying to warn you for things that could be triggering. And for some people, this could be really triggering. It's also a massive plot spoiler to the mystery and the resolution of what's going on with his family. So if you know you're very, very sensitive to some issues and want to make sure they're not present in the text before you read it, keep listening. If you don't want to be spoiled about the end, you can stop now because we've covered everything. Stop now, rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah. So um, the trigger warning is incest. Yeah. And it doesn't go into great detail um, about, it's not like explicit sex or no. anything like that. And at the time the two characters partake of it, they are unaware. Correct. That they are related. So, but like they are. <laughs> they are related. They're definitely related. So just be aware if, um, you know, yeah. kissing siblings upsets you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it didn't, uh, even afterwards, like it, I was like, oh, that's, it was more of, I, I wasn't upset or anything like that. I just felt um, really bad for the participants. I liked this book a lot. Yeah, I like this book a lot. I um, so if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you for listening. <laughs>